All right, so I guess I'm not going to look straight ahead this morning. I'm going to have to look this way and that way, but it's okay. Um, so I feel like it's been a couple weeks um, since Brent and I have been here, and it has been. It's been two weeks now. Um, two weeks ago, Brent and I were at a conference in Nashville, and then last week we went to Greenville, South Carolina, to celebrate our anniversary, um, two full years. Um, yeah, that's exciting. Thank you. Um, full side note, if you ever go to Greenville, like, I would recommend going to Greenville, for, first of all. It's just really, really cool. Only two hours away, but two states away. Really, really awesome. Um, but while in Greenville, Brent and I actually, well, I did something that, that I have not done in like six or seven years, and that is look for a church to go to. I, I have not had, had to look for a church to go to in... I mean, it's probably 2012, like shortly after I got out of college, that I was, I was kind of searching for a church. And Brennan and I decided that we wanted to, to go to a church last Sunday morning. So we um, were looking for a church. And well, long story, but we found a church. We went. It was, it was awesome. Um, and it was, it was really great to be able to, to worship with the greater body of Christ, the, the big C church. Um, and knowing... Spoiler alert, but like this morning we're looking at what the, the body of Christ, what the, what the Bible teaches the church is, and how the church functions. And so I was already kind of in that mindset, but I found myself looking around the, this church as we were sitting there, looking around the room, wondering, wonder what parts of the body these people are. I wonder if I'm sitting next to Sunday school teachers. Am I sitting next to worship leaders? Am I sitting next to elders or deacons or women's ministry leaders or small group leaders? Am I sitting next to missionaries from Brazil. I mean, I don't know, but I found myself wondering these things. Um, granted, I was already kind of predispositioned to be thinking about that and knowing what I was going to be preaching on. Um, but I, I just found myself wondering those things. And you might be saying, why in the world would you be wondering those things? And as I've looked a lot at 1 Corinthians in the last couple months, I mean, RCG has been going through 1 Corinthians for probably four or five months now. And I just keep coming back to this, the importance of the local church and the importance of the individual members of the local church. And I think that's important because what I continue to see is that each and every person in the local church, each and every member of the local church is so, so important. And I believe that there is biblical expectation for Christians to be an active part of a local church. Biblical expectation for Christians to be an active part of the local church. You can go ahead and start turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're going to spend a majority of our time this morning. Um, but again, like I said, I, as I've spent a, long, a lot of time in 1 Corinthians recently, in community group, in listening to, uh, to other pastors, and it is my own time in the Word, I've just been coming back to, in, in addition, as we've been talking about the life of CRC and us moving forward, I keep coming back to this, because I think there's so much for us to see, to, to understand, and really to grow and learn from here. And if you remember, back in the What We Believe series, Tanner, um, we spent a week talking about the church, what we believe about the church. And there is part of this that is going to be similar. Some of this I'm going to say is the same thing he said. Repetition is, repetition is good. I'm going to take a different angle and add a couple different things. But I, I really think that it's going to be really important as we move forward 
that we are on the same page on what the church is and how God has created and developed and built the church. I also think this is important because many of us come from very different backgrounds on what the church is. Some of us come from different church backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, or different just backgrounds totally having nothing to do with the church. And again, I think if we're going to fully function as the church, we need to be unified in what this is. So like I said, we're going to spend most of our time in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to read all of it right now. Um, it should be up on the screen, but I'm going to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and the varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on the, those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more, more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to, to the members, oh, to the part that lacked it. And there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed to the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles... Are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but, honest, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. <sighs> so, before we get specifically into it this morning, I want to give you a little disclaimer. 
on this morning. I know and I understand and I realize that I just read a chapter with a lot of talking about a lot of very specific spiritual gifts, um, some of them more controversial than others. Um, but here's a disclaimer. I am not going to describe all these spiritual gifts. I'm not going to tell you what all these spiritual gifts mean. I'm not going to even try to list every single thing. This morning, I'm not going to try to help you find your spiritual gift. I'm not going to, to tell you exactly what that looks like. But I'm, but I'm going to do some things that I hope to help you see and make a couple things very clear. So, I felt like I should give you that disclaimer up front so no one was disappointed when I got to the end. I'm like, oh, you didn't get to that. No, there's a ton in here that I'm not going to get to. So here is what I want to get to. We believe that as Christ Reconciled Church, as this church, that God has uniquely designed us as the local expression of the church to bring him glory. That is the same as any other church should say. God has uniquely designed us, has knit us together as this church. And we believe that he's built this church intentionally. Again, we've said this before. It's not an accident that you find yourself here. But in his intentionality, we believe that God has gifted each and every Christian for service in the local church. And he has done so in order that each and every Christian might display their gifting for the building up of the church for the glory of God. I'll explain this more. But I think this, these are various things that Paul is going to talk about here. And these are things that we want to make sure that we also emphasize. So let me, let me lay out, here's a couple things that I, want to make, that I want to get across this morning. First, each and every believer has been gifted by the Spirit for the building up of the church. Two, every believer in their gifting is important in the local church. Three, for us to fully be the church, we need each and every member of the church to be acting as that member of the church. We'll get into this more. A side note, this, this point kind of runs through all the three, but we really believe in church membership and it's very, very important. That's going to be in all three. So I realize I already read all of chapter 12. But I want to give you a brief background on 1 Corinthians. Where, where, where Paul, what Paul's been talking about before 1 Corinthians chapter 12 comes about. Because we, again, like I said, RCG's been digging in this for about four to five months, and it's been really helpful um, to give me some context on this. It's all right. It's all good. We'll make do. Maybe people have to actually, people have to actually use their Bibles this morning. So if you, since our screen is not working, if you need to go get a Bible, there's a bunch over there. Uh, I'm sure someone will be glad to go give you one if you need one. Um, so again. In 1 Corinthians, Paul has been blasting these guys. He's, he's writing the church in Corinth, and he's been saying, you're doing all sorts of stuff wrong. Like, he's, he's just laying into them. He's talking, they are divided. There's sexual morality going on. There's idolatry going on. There's disorderly worship going on. All sorts of major issues going on. And Paul is just blasting and saying, this is not who you guys have been called to be. This is not how you have been created. So, when we get to chapter 12 here, 
We have to keep in mind that what all Paul Paul's been correcting. He's been rebuking them. He's been later on at the end of the chapter, he really calls them back to the gospel and calls them back to the truth. But so as we get to this, we see every member acting as the member, the, the member of the church. Every part of the body acting as the body. It's because this church was not acting that way. They were all sorts of messed up. And so I want to make sure that we hear, that we see, that we understand this. Because it's very, very important. It's going to be very important as we function as the body of Christ here. So a little more background. I said that I was not going to get deep into spiritual gifts, but I want to give you just a brief run-through of what, what does that mean? Very, very high view. We're not getting down to the details. So we believe that the Bible, when God, when God saves people, that he indwells them with his spirit. The Bible teaches that when you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And the Holy Spirit also gifts believers. So look at verse 7. Chapter 12, verse 7. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Look down at verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So we don't get a comprehensive list here, but Paul talks about the utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge, working of miracles, the gift of faith, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation. At the end of the chapter, he talks about apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, helping, administrating, tongues. So I'm not actually going to read these, but if you're taking notes, you want to jot these down. Romans 12, Paul talks of prophecy, of service, of teaching, of exhortation, of generosity, of leading, of mercy. Peter, in 1 Peter 4, talks of hospitality, service, and speaking. Ephesians 4 talks of apostleship, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Over and over and over again, we see different writers in the Bible talking about the giftings of the Spirit, how, how God gifts people this way. Nowhere do we see a comprehensive list of what this looks like. This is all. And I don't think we get this because I think if he, if he gave us this, I think we'd obsess over trying to pick and choose and say, all right, I've got I to find one mine out of this list. I don't, this isn't a comprehensive list. So we believe that when believers are saved, they're indwelt by the Spirit and gifted for the service of the church, for the common good. But here's what I can say confidently, is that every Christian in this room, every Christian not in this room, has been gifted by the Spirit for the building up of the church for the glory of God. Look at verse 6 and 7 again. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Every single person. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Sorry, each and every believer in Christ. If you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, which if you follow Christ, if you, if you, if you have submitted to Him as Lord, then He indwells you with His Spirit. But verse, but verse 7 also says what this is for. 
He says it's for the common good. Ephesians 4 says it's for the building up of the church. So it's not, he doesn't gift you and say, all right, go free Willie. Go do all that you got to do. No, it's for the church and ultimately for his glory. So, so notice, notice through here too, over and over and over again, he says, over and over again, he says, it is gifted by the Holy Spirit. It's not multiple spirits. It's not, you got this spirit, you got this spirit, you got this spirit. That's not what he says. He says, the one spirit, the same spirit, the one spirit, the Holy Spirit. It says, the Holy Spirit, the one Holy Spirit gives believers So this is the point that I want to make. First and foremost, what I want to say is that every believer, every person who has been saved, who is following Christ, has been gifted by the Spirit for the building up of the church. I said that probably ten times this morning. But again, this is again the importance of the church. The importance of the church. Because believers are not gifted by the Spirit to go and just do as they please. It's not given just for individuals' good. It says it's given for the common good, for the building up of the church. And again, the importance of being a part of the local church is so, so important. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask this a handful of times going through. But I would encourage you to start asking yourself, what part am I playing? How, how am I an active part of the body of Christ? How am I an active part of the church? I'm going to ask it a couple more times. But here's another thing that I read this week. This is not from me. This is another pastor that I, that I heard. He says that every single believer has at least one gift. No one has every gift. And this is important. As you look around the room, as you think about people that are not here this morning, there's no one, the, the best pastor in the world, that, that, that person you think, well, that famous preacher, there's no one that has every gift. The gift. We all look vastly different in this. We all look extremely different in this. But every believer, every member of the church, in the gifting that they've been gifted with is important in the church. Every believer, every part of the church is important. But I, I, I really think that the modern church, that like the church now, now, I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking about the church, the various individual churches, has somehow missed this. Because if you think, when you look at it, when you look at famous people there, famous pastors, famous people, you don't, what you think of is that, that great preacher with the high levels of charisma, and they're known for their preaching. You think of maybe the worship leaders who are really good with a guitar. No offense, Nick. But like, you, you think of people that are really good but what about the people that have been gifted in ways that aren't in front of everyone? What about those people that have been gifted with service and they spend time in the background cleaning the bathrooms? What about the people who have been gifted with mercy and they spend their waking hours serving those that have needs? Are those celebrated the same ways? I don't think they are. I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate the ways certain people are gifted. I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate that famous pastor or that famous worship leader. But I'm saying we should also 
stress the importance of every single believer, the way that every single person has been gifted. Listen, I think this is part of the point that Paul's trying to make. Look at verse 14. I'm going to read 14 through 20 again. Paul says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So here Paul is like using the example of a physical body. He's like, okay, you've got arms, you've got legs, you've got feet, you've got hands, you've got eyes, you've got ears. You've got all these body parts. And you can't take those away without noticing, right? (laughs) I'm not saying you can't function, you can't survive without a hand or without an ear. That's not the point. But if you've got an ear and one day it disappears, you're going to notice. If you've got a hand and one day it disappears, you're going to notice. Because each has their own unique purpose. Each has... Each was designed for something specific. And what Paul is doing here is comparing the church to a physical body. One body made of many members. Church membership. Just, just saying. But I don't want to assume that everyone's on the same page with this. Because just as the physical body, just as the physical body, different parts of the body are gifted in different ways, so it is with the church. I mean, my hand and my ear are gifted very differently. There's a reason why I don't text and write with my ear. It's just weird to think about. Right? Yeah, you smirk, not because it's funny, because it's weird. But I don't want to lose either one. Like, I'm, I'm thankful that my hand can write, my hand can text, my hand can catch. I'm thankful that my ear can hear music. I'm thankful that my ear can hear every word that my wife says. I'm not looking up for a reason. (laughs) It just got thrown off. So when thinking of the physical body, though, when thinking of the body, who gets the most recognition? Like, think what gets the most recognition? Like, is it not the people that are extremely attractive, or the people that have a singing voice, or people that are muscular, whatever you want to throw in there. It's, I've never heard anybody say, wow, that person has an amazing pinky toe. It's weird. Or, wow, that person, their kneecaps are just spot on. Like, it's weird. But are not the pinky toe and the kneecap extremely important? Like, most people without a pinky toe are not going to be able to walk. Balance. Without a kneecap, I would love to see each and every one of you stand up right now. Like, I started picturing this yesterday as I was preparing, and it started laughing. I'm like, I would love to see it. You can think about it later. But different parts of the body, different functions, but very important. Very important. That's what Paul is saying here. 
Each and every part of the body of Christ is equally important. Is every gift as noticeable? No. I mean, people are gonna, when people come to a church, they, they might notice the guy preaching. They might notice the guy with a guitar. They might notice who might, who's working in the kids' room. But what about the person serving in the background who's cleaning the kitchen after church, who's cleaning the church on the weekends, or who's showing mercy by sitting down next to visitors that come in off the street? Are they, are they as noticeable? Often, no. Are they as valuable? Absolutely. Paul is saying, if the whole, what he says is if the whole body was an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If every single one of us was gifted the same way, we'd be in trouble. I mean, if every single one of us was gifted to preach, then where would be the people that are, are serving? Where would be the kids' room workers? Where would be the people serving lunch? Where would be all the other people and meeting all the other needs? I mean, I was thinking, if every, it talks about the gift of, of administration. If every single one of us was, was gifted in that, only that way, we'd be very organized. We would have sign-up sheets perfectly for everything, but there'd be no one to volunteer on those sign-up sheets. There'd be no one to volunteer to serve. There'd be no one to preach. There'd be no one to do this and that, but we'd be organized. You see, God has uniquely gifted those in the church, and he's done that intentionally. Here's the big one. It is according to his divine plan that we all look different in the ways that we are gifted. That is his doing. But what I think has happened is that we see those ultra-gifted people. We see those people that have the flashy gifts. That We might see the pastor. We might see the worship leader. We might see certain gifts and think, I'm not gifted like that person, therefore the church doesn't need me. I'm not gifted like that, so I'm going to sit. The church needs more people like that person. The church doesn't need more people like me. And I think that is in direct contrast to what we see in 1 Corinthians 12. I think this, among other reasons, is what leads often a small percentage of the church doing a large majority of the ministry, the work. I was at a large church in St. Louis and one of the guys there who I greatly respected said that generally speaking, about 20% of the people do about 80 to 90% of the, of the work and ministry of the church. I don't know that there's data to back that up, but I would estimate it's probably close. Because I think it's a, it's a lack of understanding here at 1 Corinthians 12 of the importance of every single part, no matter what the gift, the importance because nowhere was there a gift of spectating. There was not a gift of watching. There was not a gift of, I'm going to sit by and watch everybody else serve and play the part. Because yes, we talked about certain gifts. Yes, the body of Christ. We need the mouth. We need the hands. We need the feet. But we need the kneecaps. We need the pinky toes, the ring fingers, all the other things that might not seem important or flashy. But it's, that's how God has designed us to function as a body. So let me give a word of warning. So to not serve the church in the ways that God has gifted, 
to not serve the church in the ways that God has gifted you is to tell God he's wrong. That he was wrong. He's like, I, is it, what does it say? Here in verse, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body. So if, someone, if you say, well, I'm not gifted like so-and-so. I've just got this gift. So I'm not going to serve. I'm not really a part of the body because I don't preach or I don't sing or I don't lead the big things. What you're saying is that, God, you were wrong in how you gifted me. Let's not tell God that he was wrong. I feel like I've said this a hundred times now. <laughs> but every individual who's been saved, we say, we say only by the blood of Jesus, has been gifted by the Spirit and is important in the body of Christ. Like, listen, there's not any spiritual gift that somehow earns special status in the church. There's no one who can claim, hey, I earned this gift. Hey, this one's, this one's me. Because based on verse 11 here, they are given by the Spirit to each one individually as he wills. We didn't earn these gifts. They are given. So let's begin to praise God for the ways he has gifted us and complaining about the ways that he hasn't. So I'm going to go back to that first question that I asked. What part are you playing? Are you an active, functioning part of the church? Because to fully be the church, we need you to be you. To be the church, we need the hand to be the hand, we need the foot to be the foot, the eye to be the eye, whatever part that is. So let, let me remind you for just a moment what the church is. The local church is a group of people who have no claim to salvation other than the blood of Jesus. A local body of believers who, have, who has trusted in Christ, who without Jesus are a group of rebellious people who are, who are dead in their trespasses, a rebellious group of people who were following the ways of the world, had no, nothing in common, but it is the gospel and the gospel alone now that unites us. That we are trusting Jesus, we follow after him, and we do that together under, on, on, as a local body of Christ, that we believe that God has uniquely designed and put us here. We believe that we have been reconciled to God, that we have been made, that relationship, we've been brought back to God, not through our own doing, but through Jesus. It's our common hope. If nothing else, we have this in common. So we're a body. But based on 1 Corinthians 12 here, it's a body, but it's where God has gifted individuals within the body to function together as a body. The members function together as the body. I'm going to read what I, I said earlier. In his intentionality, we believe that God has gifted each and every Christian for service in the local church. And he has done so in order that each and every Christian might display their gift for the building up of the church for the glory of God. So, so hear me out again. 
for us to be the church, for us to fully function as that body, we need every member of the body. Like, if you are a member of the church and are not fulfilling the role that God has put you in, then we are a body limping around here with missing a leg or an arm or an eye or something. Because God has uniquely designed us and put us together. And we need you, talking from the church perspective, we need you to be you. We don't, we don't need you to try to be someone else. We don't need you to try to be Nick and sing. I don't need to try to be Andy and run the sound system. I don't need to try to do this or do that. We need you to be you and how God has gifted you. So don't hear what I'm saying. Don't hear that I'm not, that I'm saying that God somehow, that he's going to fail if we don't do this, or that his plans are going to be thwarted. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. But what I'm saying is that by God's good and perfect design, he has joined us into one body, has gifted us accordingly, and now we are commanded to function as that body for his glory. I don't know if this is going to help, but I want to try to give you an illustration. Many of you have already experienced firsthand in some way that my wife is an amazing cook. She bakes really, really well. Most of us have had cookies or brownies of some sort. I mean, I think each week at Community Group, we gain a collective five to ten pounds in brownies or cookies or some combination of the two. Yeah, Joe. Joe might have nine of those ten pounds, but... um, like, there's a reason why when I moved back from China, within a little bit, I was just recently talking to a friend, and they said, wow, you've gained weight. Like, oh, thanks. Um, but because when I moved back from China, I moved here, and, started, and Brandon started cooking. Our first date ended with me going home with a thing full of snickerdoodle cookies. Like, seriously, seriously, sorry. Side note. But if you ask anyone who bakes or anyone who cooks, what they're going to say, talk about is the importance of ingredients. The importance of each and every ingredient. Like if you make one little mistake or one little mismeasurement or forget one ingredient, it's going to impact that final product. What you're going to probably have is less than you wanted. If you think of a cake, if you leave out flour or butter or sugar, and yes, I had to look up on the internet what goes into a cake. There were some of the things that it mentioned. Exactly. But for a cake to be what it's supposed to be, all the ingredients have to be present. And hopefully you see where I'm going. But if you look at a cake, I really thought about doing this, but if you like picture a cake sitting up here with the frosting all over it, it might look really, really good. You're like, wow, that, could look, that cake looks amazing. It looks amazing. But what you're saying is, from far away, what I see looks amazing. You don't know if the cake is amazing or not. You have not eaten it. But what if the baker forgot to put in sugar or butter? Yeah. <laughs> what if the baker accidentally mixed in olive oil instead of the vanilla extract? I actually went and looked in our cabinet to see what other things you might be able to put in. And olive oil was the first thing I found. But you're going to notice the difference, right? It might look good on the outside. It might look like a cake. But each and every ingredient that was mixed in is extremely important for it to be a cake. Listen, I'm, what, I'm, what I've been talking about this morning is a CRC cake. 
With God as the baker. God has done all this. He's put all the ingredients here to make a perfect cake. Verse 18. But God as it is. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. He put the ingredients in just like he chose. Just because you might not have a flashy gift and serve out in front of everybody doesn't mean that you're not important. You don't see the sugar. You see the frosting, maybe, I guess, which is a lot of sugar. But you don't see the parts that are in the middle of the cake. You might not see them, but for the cake to be a cake, they're important. So what I'm trying to say, that if you feel like you're not gifted as well as some people might be, you're not, you can't serve in those big ways, we need you and how you have been gifted. Whatever that is, we need you. No matter what part of the body you might be, God has uniquely designed you to be that part. And the body is not complete without it. So again, how are you serving the local church? How, what active part are you playing? But here's what I want to add. Like, I, I don't want you to step up and try to do anything because the elders are bugging you about it or because I'm sitting up here hammering at home. That's not why I want you to be an active part of the body of Christ. I want you to see the word. See what God is saying here. See what Paul is writing. See what this is saying and say, like, I want to fulfill how God has created me. I want to be using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given Like, if you've been saved, it's not for you. Like, we get stuck in that mindset sometimes. It's like, well, thanks, God, you saved me. Now I'm good. No. We've been added to the family of God. We've been added to a local church for God's purposes and his glory. It's not to make our lives easier. It's not for that get-out-of-health get card. He saved you because he loved you and uniquely gifted you to be an active part of his church. So won't you go all in on this? Like, yes, God, that's what I want. I want to go all in on this. Look what God has called you to. To be a part of the body. Whatever part that is, he's called you to be a part of the body. It's about him. So I, I don't know what you're thinking right now, I don't know if there's any specific feelings this is stirred up or what you're wondering. And I don't know what your specific response needs to be, but there are some specific responses, I think. For some of you, this might be, man, for the first time, I just want to declare that Jesus is Lord. I see what you're saying. I see what the church is. I see that, man, I am without hope and without Christ that I see that he is my only hope, and I want to declare that. I want to trust in that. If, that. if that's where you're at, please, come talk to me, please. Like, that is your greatest need. For others of you, this might mean joining the church. Say, hey, I've been here for a while, I've been around, and I want to go all in. I just want to join the church. I want to be a part of what... You're what's going on here? I want to be a part. 
Maybe you're a member of this church, but you've been sitting on the sidelines. Maybe a response is running off the sidelines into the game. (laughs) Maybe it's repenting for not being apart for not fulfilling what God has called you to, not using the gifts that he's given to you. Maybe it's repenting for that, but then saying, I I want all in. I'm going to go all in. I want to be a part of the church. Listen, you don't have to go take 10 online spiritual gift tests to find out what your gift is before you serve. You don't have to have it all nailed down and say, this is exactly my gift. This is how I'm going to serve. You don't have to be there. But what we need is the church, every single person in the church saying, I don't even know what my spiritual gifting is. I'm just going to go all in and serve. I'm going to go all in and and be in the midst of it because it's in the midst of serving when most people's spiritual gifts become very apparent. In the midst of serving, in whatever that way is. Maybe a response is remembering that God has uniquely gifted you and praising him for that. Praising him that you, he's added you to his family. Uniquely gifted you through his spirit. And just letting that drive you to worship. Listen, we're, each and every one of us, we're here because of what God has done. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He led us to this moment. He sent his own son to purchase us, to buy us back, to redeem us from our sin. And he's not done that for us to sit on the sideline, to watch the world go by. He has saved us to be a part of his body for the common good, for the building up of the church, and for his glory. Let's pray. God, I praise you. I praise you for what you've done. From eternity past, how you chose to create us, you chose to send your son to save a wicked people. Father, there's nothing that we could have ever done to earn that. There's nothing that we could have ever done to deserve it. And there's not enough that we can do to even say thank you, Father, but we praise you for that. And Father, thank you for the church for the global church that you have added us to, but for the local church that you have uniquely designed to function as a body, to bring you glory. Father, I just ask that that you would light our hearts, that you would, no matter where we are, we would say, I'm all in. I'm all in on this. Father God, I pray that you would Show us how to just run into the game, to to be a part of what you're doing. Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you indwell us. Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you that, that you gift us to be a part of the church. The fact that you would do that is mind blowing. Father, I I just pray this would cause us to worship. Father, I pray that you would convict where people, where maybe people need to repent. I pray that you would drive people to their knees and in repentance or in worship. That, Father, that you would be moving, that you would be 
doing something amazing for your glory. Because, Father, it's all about you. This church, we're all about you. We're here because of you. We're here for you. You don't need us. But, Father, all that we are is because of you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the identity that we now have because of him. And Father, I, I pray that you would create in us just this desire to, to function as the body of Christ with him as the head, that we would be all that you have called us to be Father, tune our hearts to you. Tune our hearts to your heart. Give us the desires that you have. And as we respond, I pray that you would teach us how to respond. Show us how to respond. Show us individually what that means. Father, we thank you for for you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name, amen.